Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Good afternoon or good morning. How's everybody doing today? That's what I'm talking about. Man, you should be feeling good, man. We're getting ready for the best two holidays in our calendar year, right? Thanksgiving. All right, just we're gonna do a little, we're gonna do a quick, a real quick uh, survey. Cranberry sauce, canned. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Relax, breathe with me. Didn't even ask the question yet. The real stuff that's in a can, or the stuff that's got berries in it that somebody like Grandmama makes. Cans, right? Can. All right, all right. Let, let's go one more, one more quick one. Hey, this is important stuff. Um. Sweet potato pie, pumpkin pie. All right, all right, one more, one more, one more, one more. Sweet potato casserole. Hop! This is my story. Pecan stuff on the top. No marshmallows or marshmallows. No marshmallows. I like, that's a s'more. And so, no. It's been good. It's good. Actually, it was nice. I, I got uh, a chance to take off a couple of weeks just to recharge my batteries, get ready for this um, next season of ministry, which is going to be great. We're going to get into the holidays, and then we're going to hit the ground running in January. I'm so excited about what God's going to do uh, in our church over the next uh, 12 months or so. And so it was just good to, to, you know, just to get away a little bit. And I've been following along. I actually came to church last week and I actually sat in first service uh, while Bill was here. And so he thanks you again for being so generous. Um, just with uh, your attention. And then the week before that, I actually watched on, online um, and watched Tracy. Tracy did a dynamic job. I mean, he just knocked it out of the ballpark. As our mission pastor, we couldn't ask for a better one, could we? He does a great job. And so uh, I've been thinking about what I was going to talk about, um, and I kind of laid the series out. And this week, um, actually, it started. And so I just, I, I'm not bragging or anything, but like I started working out four weeks ago. Can you tell? Like, I seriously, I've been working out every day except for Sundays. And I mean, I just, I feel like, listen, I'm identifying as a person with a six pack. All right, we good with that? And big, big muscles and all that. Like that guy right there. Like I'm identifying with him, but I look like this. So it's just, it is what it is. But no, I had this moment because I, I don't know, like you guys may be like me. I like to do research before I do something. So I was researching the best way, you know, to lose weight and researching how to do the right exercises and, you know, what am I going to do cardio? Am I going to, you know, jump up and down off of boxes or, you know, I'm going to swing the ropes or whatever. What am I going to do? I, I landed on something that I like. I, I'm just working out with weights and, and I'm enjoying that and all that. But something happened when I was in the gym because I was sitting there looking at all the different equipment and, you know, there's a lot of different, you know, if, like I'm at any time if you go there, like they have lots of equipment there. And so like they have those things, they have like these things for cardio. They say that you should do a lot of cardio to, to, um, to, to kill yourself. And so I, I was, I, they have this thing that's, that's literally stairs that move. It's stupid. I don't like going upstairs when I have to go upstairs. Like I, that's what we make elevators for. Right. And so that one there, and there's this orbital thing that you, you know, you look like, you know, like a chicken on roller skates when you're on it. I mean, and then, and then there's this, there's, there's this thing that you rowing, rowing, and they put pictures in front of you to make you think you're going somewhere. Right. Like, and, and, and then there's the, the dreaded, the dreaded, what's the, the treadmill, the treadmill. Anybody like a treadmill? Have you lost your mind? 
Do you know what, this is just a side note. As a matter of fact, Caleb Candler is one of our staff members. And he, he sent me a text message this past week. He goes, do you know the original treadmill was actually used in prison for prison reform? They actually used it as a punishment. And it still is in 2023, a punishment. <laughs> Right, And so it's one of those things. But I got to thinking, and, and as I was reading, one of the things that everybody kind of agreed on is about how many steps you take a day. And the average person should take about 10,000 steps. All the Apple watches and all that will tell you when you, know, you do that. And 10,000, and it's supposed to give you a healthy, a healthy lifestyle. It's supposed to make you healthy. So if you do whatever type of exercise you wanna do, if you do you know, 10,000 steps, everything's gonna be fine and all that kind of stuff. And I got to thinking, well, that's great for your, 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 your physical life, right? What about our spiritual lives? And here's my thought. This is a kind of a crazy thought, but what if we took a couple of those 10,000 steps and we used them for God? What, 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 what if we looked into our lives as we're going to the grocery store and we use some of those 10,000 steps, not just to buy groceries, but to, to use God, to, to be waiting for a divine appointment? Uh, our staff did something Thursday. There's the, the, the food drive that we're doing for RPM. And we went and decided as a staff that we were all going to buy some food for uh, the, the, the food drive. And we we're going to put it in there as a staff just to speed the leader, speed the team. Well, I asked our, my team, we were, we were assigned public. So my team is going to meet me at Publix. And for some reason, I'm there by myself in the parking lot. Like, and you know how stupid an older guy looks like in the parking lot? Like just standing there waiting for like those, and the rest of them were like three or four women. And so I'm sitting there, all of a sudden this car pulls around the corner and it's somebody from our church. And I was sitting there going, oh man, like I've been, I've been actually praying for this guy, something going on in his eyes. Maybe this is a way that God wants me to use some of my 10,000 steps to bring somebody closer to Christ. And I just stopped for a second. It's like, God, this may be a divine appointment. This may be something that you're really in on. And it made me think of this because in the story, in the book of Esther, if you've ever read the story of the book of Esther, it's, it's really a great story. Um, but she wins this beauty contest and it's a beauty contest. Mordecai says to her, you've won, you've won this. And there's that one line, I think it's in Esther like 714 or something. It's like, you were created for such a time as this. Like you were created for this moment in time. And what if, just what if, that God put us on this earth at this particular time just like he did with Esther and created a moment that we were created for a time as this. Like there's people in our lives that we're gonna walk. Maybe it's on the mission field. Maybe it's just across the, a playing field that God was gonna use us in spectacular ways if we just slow down and use some of those steps wisely. So here's the question. I'm gonna have two big questions today. This is the big tension. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna read about uh, a story in the Bible, but here, here, here's, a, here's a really big question. You know, like, are you using your steps wisely? Like, are you using them for good or using them for God's glory and God's kingdom? Or they're just, they're just your steps. You know, you go to the gym, you go to, you know, you go to work, you go to wherever you're going to go, and that's it. And, that's it. and then you fall down, go to sleep, and you wake up the next day, and you, you know, rinse, you know, rinse, cycle it, and repeat, and all that kind of stuff. And what? The story's in Luke, and it's Luke chapter 10, verse 30. And it says, Jesus replied with this story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of all his clothes, they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, and I don't believe there's anything by chance, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, what's the next couple words? He crossed. He used his steps not to glorify God. He literally crossed across the street, the other side of the road, and he passed him. Verse 32 says, a temple assistant, these are two religious people, a temple assistant walked over, walked over. And he looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Out of the 10,000 steps that they had each every day to keep them physically healthy or whatever they were doing back then, they used some of them, 
not to glorify God. They, they, they use some of them not to honor humanity or, or step into the, the situation of a human being. They actually use it just the opposite. And then I love this story, and I love the way it says in verse 33, then a despised Samaritan, they were the lowest people on the human uh, you know, rungs of life, all the, 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 you know, the ladder of life, they were the lowest one. And it said, the despised Samaritan came along when he saw the man and he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, he walked directly toward this guy. The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and banged them uh, and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn where he took care of him. He used some of his steps for the good of humanity. So I'll ask that question again, because I want to keep repeating this. And I want us to get to a point today where we can honestly say whether we're doing it right or doing it wrong. And if we're doing it wrong, then we would start to do it right. Think about your life and ask yourself this question. Are you using your steps wisely? Are you using them the way God wants you to use them? See, this is what this whole series has been about. The whole tension of the series isn't about just loving your neighbor or taking a, you know, a cup of cold water or, 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 or you know, putting up a, a, you know, like a, um, a, like a, a hot dog stand or a, a, you know, a snow car and just giving out free whatevers. This is about what are we doing in humanity? What are we doing with the people around us? And see, what we should be doing is constantly looking for ways to offer the single greatest gift that's ever been given to humanity, and that's Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And we should constantly be going, how, how can I do that in the world that I live in? And if you're a Christ follower, that should be a tension that you have all the time with the people that are around us. What am I doing? What am I doing to get them and draw them, tell them? How do I get them closer to the, to the Christ? How do I get them closer to Jesus who died on the cross for them? And I could see somebody go, well, why does this really matter? Can't you just give us like a couple projects and we'll just go do a couple projects in the school? No, because there's so, many, there's so many levels to this. One of the reasons why we teach on this, one of the reasons we're gonna talk about this is Jesus did this for us. He stepped from the cosmos, heaven, and he stepped across the entire universe and he came to earth because he saw something in us that he saw, he, he, he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. This is what it says in Romans chapter five, verse eight. But God showed his greatest love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I love this in Philippians chapter two, verse five. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in the human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. I want you to think about this for a second. And maybe this isn't a conversation that you have with yourself very often, but maybe today, just for a moment or two, picture Jesus at the throne of God. He is, he is 100% God. He deserves to be where he's at. And God says, there's a different plan. I want to restore creator and creation, and I need you to go to earth. And I need you to become 100% man in that moment. And so he, he leaves his earthly, I mean, his heavenly position, and he comes to his earthly position, and he does it for us. He does it because we couldn't do it. We couldn't die on the cross. We couldn't go to a cross. We, were, we weren't good enough to do that. There had to be a perfect sacrifice. The Lamb of God, the Bible says, who takes away the sins of the world, all of the sins. And it was Jesus, as John the Baptist said. Think about that for a second. That's what he did for us. Yes, we're celebrating in four or five weeks the birth of Christ. There's billions of people that have been born. And a few months after that, we'll celebrate the resurrection of Christ. There's only been one that's ever done that. There's only been one that's ever rose himself from the grave. 
And that's why, he, that's why we call him the Christ. That's why we make a big deal out of him. But not only did he walk across the cosmos to show us what he did for us, but he also shows us what we're supposed to do for others. He wants us to demonstrate that same thing to the people around us. You remember the story? Jesus is walking on the, along the side of the Sea of Galilee. And he's walking. He comes up on Peter and Andrew, two brothers, and they're fishing. And obviously, they weren't very good fishermen. But he's sitting there and he said, listen, here, you've been doing this all day long. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little, a little bit more substantial stuff to, to happen in life. And he goes, you drop your nets right now. And if you drop your nets right now, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll give you something of substance in your life. Man, they changed the world. Those, those two men changed the world. You remember the other story? Jesus is walking and he, he comes up on a booth and there's a tax collector by the name of Matthew there. And he tells Matthew to come follow me and he drops everything he's doing, he follows him. And, and Matthew changes the world that he's in. That, that's what Christ wants us to do in our lives. And at some point or another, God is gonna ask every one of us to walk across the street and do something. Take a couple of our steps, those 10,000, and do something for one of our neighbors. That's why we called it Love Your Neighborhood. God wants us to go right in our backyard, right in the people around us and do something. At some point, he's probably gonna ask some of us to walk across the playing field. If you're a coach or maybe you're, you're an athlete, walk across the playing field and have a conversation, an intentional conversation with somebody. Maybe it's in your office complex. He's gonna ask you to walk across your office complex, going from one cubicle to another and tell the dangerous message of Jesus and how he changed your life. Why? Why would we even talk about this? And Jesus walked for us. Jesus walked from eternity to here for us. And I've been thinking about this all the last two or three weeks. Why? You know what I've, I've determined? Love made him do it. He loved us so much. And we throw around that word love so flippantly. As a matter of fact, in week one, I, I, I watched it and I, I heard Tracy say that the whole law, the Old Testament law and all the prophets was summed up in this one verse that we're going to read in a few minutes. But in that verse, there's a word. And sometimes we just kind of go to the, the next part, but the word love is the most important thing that happens. And there again, we've, we've done a poor job of identifying what, what, what real love is and, and defining what real love is. See, because I'm gonna tell you something, love is the primary component of the Christian life. You can't, you can't be a believer in Jesus Christ and not understand what love is. Because what he did for us was done out of love. I love this. I've read the book several times. Stephen Covey writes a book called uh, Highly Effective Habits or Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And there's a line in there. And the line is this. You need to learn to keep the main thing the main thing. You know what the problem with the church is? Now, I'm part of the church. I've been part of the church for 30-something years. I'm going to tell you what the, the problem with the church is. Not just Journey, but the church at large. We have not kept the main thing the main, main thing. We've made politics the main thing, whether you're Republican or you're Democrat, whether you're woke or not woke, whether you do traditional worship or untraditional worship, whether you wear uh, you know, a gown or a robe or you wear jeans, we've made those the main, the main thing is that Jesus died on the cross so we can have eternal life, so he can restore creator and creation with himself. That's the main thing. How, how have we messed that up? We've made it about black and white and all the other things and everything else that you're on one side of the aisle and everybody else is on the other side. I'm telling you what, I don't even know there's an aisle there. You, do me a favor real quick. Look around this room real fast. I've done this before, but look around this room. If this bothers you, hell's going to, I mean, heaven's going to suck. It's going to be as diverse as this room is. It's going to be just like this place right here. And I'm going to tell you in this room, there's Republicans and Democrats. Somebody say, amen. You don't have to say which one you are. There's people that are moderate and there's people that are liberal and there's people that are extremely conservative, right? That's not the main thing. 
What candidate wins is not the main thing. The main thing is, are we demonstrating love like Jesus demonstrated love to the world that we live in? That's the main thing. Mark says it like this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love. The very first thing we need to learn to love and define and understand is a component of is loving God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he says, second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And there's no other commandments greater than these. Everything's summed up, like Tracy said, everything's summed up right there. Who we're supposed to be, what a Christian looks like. I got, I got asked a question a couple, three weeks ago. And I honestly didn't know how to answer it. And I just thought back to my, what I was raised in. And somebody asked me, what does a Christian look like? Think about it. What's a Christian look like? Is it the person that's on TV that is taking his jacket off and swinging at everybody and they're falling down? Is it a big swooping hairdo? Is it a three, you know, is it a suit? What, what, what's a Christian look like? And I, I remember after I became a believer um, at the church I, I started going to, they made me a youth pastor. I guess that's what they do with people that just get saved. And they made me a youth pastor. I, I guess they were seeing if I was serious about my commitment to Jesus. But just, just a little side note. I was a youth pastor. I was a children's pastor all at the same time. Um, teenagers stink. That's why I'm recovering still. So they, they made me a youth pastor. And so I was, I was hanging out with all these people that were youth pastors. And one day we were having a conversation and I, I asked the question, I, just like, I, what's the Christian look like? And the guy said, well, I used to think it looked like, and he started explaining a mutual friend of ours that was a pastor of a large church in, in, in Atlanta. And he says, man, and I, I, a lot of people think when you look at a Christian, like they don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't, they don't chew, they don't go out with women that do those things and all that kind of stuff, right? Or men. <laughs> So I used to think it was all about the do's and don'ts. Like, you know, you dress a certain way, you look a certain way, you act a certain way, you don't say dirty words, you don't, like, whatever. And so some of you are going, don't say dirty words. <laughs> I'm out. Um, so I, the epitome of this was this pastor guy. And so my, my, one of my best friends worked for him. And he said, yeah, yeah, he looks really good on the outside, but on the inside he's a mess. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, he doesn't do any of those things. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't watch TV, doesn't go to baseball games, doesn't like the Falcons, doesn't, you know, all that stuff. I get it. And so he said, but the problem is that's what we think spirituality is. He said, but I've heard him, I've heard him literally chew out an employee and make, him, make that person cry in their office. I've heard how he's talked to his wife and how he slams the phone down and how he disrespects her. And I'm like... And I had a chance, I got invited to this luncheon one time with my pastor, Marty Baker at Stevens Creek. Still have a great relationship with him. But we're sitting at this, and I watched this guy chewed Marty out because Marty is pastoring and started a contemporary model church. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a guy that's baptizing hundreds every, every year to a guy that's probably baptizing five, and he's chewing them out for reaching people for Christ. And I thought, that's not what I want to be like. 
you would think if you want to know what a Christian looks like, you'd go to Christ. <laughs> right? What does Christ look like? What does Christ do? I, 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 love the, I love how the writer of the book of Acts explains what a real Christian looks like. It's, it looks like Jesus. And he says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And I, want, I love this. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. How many people would love to hear that at their funeral, whenever that day is? Man, Rich went around doing good and he loved people around. Like, that's what I want to be said at my funeral. I, I, want, I want people to go, man, he was an asset to our community. Like, every time he got into it, he dove into the community. Man, there was something good that happened in our community. Same thing with Journey. Like, man, Journey, every time I hear the name of Journey, it's about, wow, they've done something great in the community for Christ. We've made his name famous in the world that we live in. Well, that's what Jesus was. That's, that's what a Christian should look like. And then he says in John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Did y'all catch that? Let's think in for a second. Think about the last thing you put on Facebook about somebody else. Or, th- or think about the argument that you have with somebody else or the argument over theology or whatever. You know, he says, your love for one another will prove. So when people look at believers, people like us, when people look at us, are we demonstrating what a believer in Christ should look like? Because that's what's gonna prove to the world who he is. Think about that for a second. How we react to one another, how we react in public to one another, how, how you react in small group, how you react. So last week I, was, I, I came to the first service, I sat down there in first service, and I'm pulling out. As I'm pulling out, I'm going out, I'm following directions. We have exits and entrances at this church. You guys know that, right? Show of hands, how many people don't know that? Okay, you may, this may be you. So I'm pulling out the right way. Now, I, I, I've bled over, church has already started, and this car comes on two wheels, around the turn, pulls in, and, and slams on brakes right in front of me. Now, I didn't need anybody to tell me that I num- I'm number one. I know I'm number one. And I didn't think they recognized it was the pastor because that, like, that would have been an embarrassing moment. I'm chalking it up. There was somebody who was just doing a U-turn on our parking lot or a guest. You'll prove to the world. You'll prove to the world. Think about that for a second. Let it sink in. The way you respond to each other on all the different social media sites, all the different ways we communicate. You'll prove to the world whether Jesus is in fact who he said he is or he's not. That's why love is so important. Let me tell you, and, and, and not only does is, is it need to be un, and understood, it's, but we also need to understand how to learn in love. Loving your neighbor begins with learning how to love your neighbor. See, see here's the deal. A lot of us in this room, like I, I, love, I, 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 love, you know, I love scripture and I love learning and I, I want to become spiritual and all that kind of stuff. And I actually wrote down uh, for 2023, these are some of the things. I wanted to grow this year and learn to be committed and getting closer to God. How, how many people say that's a good one? Like getting closer to God is probably smart, right? It's a good thing, right? And like, I, I, should, I want to know God's word. Why? I don't want the world to, I don't want to get trapped by sin and all that kind of stuff. That's a good thing to learn. How about this? How about, how about discipline? How many people, like that's what I put on my, my 2023 list. I want to learn to be more disciplined. It took me um, eight or 10 months to kind of activate that, but I finally got there and I learned to be disciplined, you know, uh, self-government, self, you know, self-awareness, all that kind of stuff. How about this one? How about consistency? How many people started their workout programs in January? 
and ended them in January. <laughs> right? Come on now. Let's be honest. How about teachable? That's something we don't like. I, I want to be teachable. Not just by the Holy Spirit. I want to be teachable with the people around me. I want people to be able to speak into my life. I want to, I want to learn new things. I want, to, I, want to, I want to investigate new ways of doing stuff. I want to make sure that I don't get caught in a rut. I want to be teachable. And, and so many times we, we judge spirituality by all those things, but we forget the most important thing that we need to learn in love. We need to learn how to love. We need to learn what love really looks like. What, 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 what's love look like when, when it's not easy to love somebody? Like, I want to learn that. I want, I want to learn like what 1 Corinthians talks about in verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. And by the way, I've read this at weddings. This is not a wedding scripture. This is really defining what real love looks like. And really, you take out the word love and put God in there every time because God is all these things. But it says this, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, meaning you have the greatest spiritual gifts in the whole world and understand all the mysteries of all the knowledge, and if you have faith, so to remove mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. But if I give away all I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I have gained nothing. I'm going to use an old school Christian cliche real quick. I, I'm not much on those, but people really don't care how much you know. They really want to know how much you care. And when they get to that point, that's how we can demonstrate what love is. See, I've pretty much determined when we get to heaven... He's not going to look at us, because all of us are going to be judged one day. You know that, right? The Bible says man's appointed one time to judgment, and then, I mean, to die, and then a judgment comes, because we're standing before God. I don't think we're going to get, we're not going to get, we're not going to get judged on what version of the Bible we're using. I don't think God really cares. Like, I don't think, hey, you made a great move, Bobby, when you moved from NIV to ESV to NLT. That was really. Right? I don't think he's going to go, hey, you know, that series you did, you know, never heard one as good as that one. You know, you know what he's going to judge me on? How did you do with this love thing? How did you love the people around you? How did you love your wife? How did you love your kids? How did you love your church? How would you love the world that you live in? What you do, what you do in those moments, which is equally as important because love is also demonstrated by compassion and care. There has to be an action to this thing. See, so many, so many times people go, I love you, and there's no, there's no attention to detail. There's nothing that follows that. See, let, let, let me define something real quick. Compassion is this. Sympathetic pity and concern, concern for the suffering or misfortunes of others. Care is this. To be concerned about or to the extent of a need to do something about it. And this is what it is. This is I'm going to give you a, just a definition. A definition of compassion and care is this. Putting yourself inside the shoes of somebody else. Putting yourself in your, put them in, your, in their skin. And then when you see there's a need, you do something about it. We do something about it. We just don't stand there. Compassion, compassion is understanding what that person right there is going through. Regardless of how they got there or why they got there. So how, man, I, 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 understand, I understand you're at the lowest, let, let, me, let me walk through this process with you. Loving others means that we can't sit still. I love 1 John 3, 17. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide, abide in him? I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story about what compassion and care, what they actually do, because like I said, it's an action. It's a story by a, a man named Terry Lane. Terry Lane was a furniture 
cabinet maker. And he was one of the best in the world. <clears throat> and their business had gotten so big, him and his partner decided that they were going to buy a piece of property and put up a, a large facility to build all these things. And so they put it in Jackson, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And so they, in Jacksonville, Florida, they're, they're, they're working or working. They get this thing built and they finally get everything moved into Jacksonville, Florida. And the very first night, the, the plant gets robbed. They come and windows are busted out and sirens. The very, very first night, very, very first night. So they get it kind of repaired and they get, they get to work the next day. The second night, all of a sudden the same thing happens. And the cop, after three or four nights of this, night after night after night says, why did you put, why did you put your place right here? Of all the places in Jacksonville, why right here? And he said, well, what do you mean? He goes, you don't know what this is? This is called The Rock. And he goes, what do you mean the rock? He says, it's an apartment complex. It's, a, it's a basically a, a neighborhood that's the lowest of the low income. And they called it the rock because there was more crack cocaine that came out of that little 250-unit um, apartment than any other place combined in Jacksonville. And he didn't know that he put it there. So like, well, then what am I going to do? So he starts praying about whether he should move or not. And he said, the Lord spoke to him two specific things. The first one is this. If you love those who, who use you, I'll take care of it. And the second part of that, he said, I, I it was almost hearing it audible. He said, forget about all the shooting and all the garbage. Look at the children. So the next day he went into work and he's sitting there and he hears a few kids outside and they're playing and they're playing underneath one of the tractor trailers. And he yells at him. He said, hey, you guys. And they start to take off. And he goes, whoa, I don't want to, come here, come here for a second. So these three kids come and he walks them into the plant and he goes over to the soda machine and he's got a key to the soda machine. And he opens up the soda machine. And he goes, get whatever you want out of there. Now, of course, they were kids, so they got two and three of everything, right? So the next day, there's a knock on the door. One of the secretaries opens the door, and it's about 15 kids. And one of the guys that got the Coke the day before said, hey, where's the fat guy with the beard? What they meant to say is, where's the guy with the key? So Terry walks out, and he grabs all the kids, and he brings them in, and he opens up the Coke machine again. He said, get whatever you want. The next day, there was 35 kids. He said it went on years and years. And before you knew it, these 35 or 40 kids were sitting in his office while he was drafting out the next piece of furniture he was going to draw. They were all playing with crayons and they actually had something to do. 10 years later, he starts a church in that same community. Five years after that, him and his wife sell everything they have and buy an apartment in this community. He's living in this community. 235 kids have been rescued at this place called The Rock, the worst place in Jacksonville. All because of a Coke. All because of a Coke. And God's asking us to go across the street and use some of our steps and he's going to use the simplest of simple for us to demonstrate to the world that we live in who Jesus really is. This is what he says at the very end of this story. He said, there's not, there's so much, to, uh, he said, there's so much to do, but I'm excited and grateful for the direction God chose for me. My wife and myself have gone from enjoying six-figure annual income to existing on 12000 a year, but God faithfully meets every need. And the, roar, the rewards are incomparable. Nothing can replace joy that I have of a little child crawling into my lap for a hug for Pastor Terry or for a young man who has been rescued from a potential life of dealing drugs 
to look him in the eye, shake my hand with a firm grip and say, thanks, PT. Because of a Coke. Because of a Coke, y'all. Now, this doesn't sound like how I should be segue into the last point because it was just a Coke. But it was more than just a Coke. It was his time. It was his reputation. It was his business. He ended up selling his business and pouring all of his proceeds into that. See, let me tell you the last thing. Love is always shown by a sacrifice. You can't say you love somebody and not sacrifice. I was thinking about the story of Abraham and Isaac. There's a promised child and God asked him to sacrifice him and to show his love for God. He's willing to do it. Jesus showed his love for us by sacrificing. 1 John 3, 16 says this, by this we know that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. John 3, 16 is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, he demonstrated his love by sacrificing his son. That's the true measure right there. That's the true measure of a man. It's not about how much he accumulates. It's what he can do for somebody that can't do for themselves. There's no intention on getting anything back. That's the true, it's true value. See, being like Jesus involves so much more than just praying and reading your Bible and doing a Bible study. It's demonstrating to the world who he really is. And if you want to be like Jesus, if I want to be like Jesus, it's not how good you are, but how good you are to others. I'm going to ask question number two. We're almost done. If you had the opportunity to be told that today was your last day, how would you spend it? If today, like I know you didn't come thinking, wow, it's going to be a super heavy day. If you knew today was your last day, how would you spend the next 24 hours? Right? Most of us would want to hang out with our, our kids and our spouse, right? Most of us. Or would you run to Walmart and get all the junk food off and just forget the diet? We're going to have a party right now. But what would you do? Seriously, like what, would you, what would the last 24 hours of your life look like? Because you can tell a lot about a person about how they answer that question. You can tell about what the priorities are and what's important. Do you know what Jesus did his last 24 hours? He washed his disciples' feet. He became a servant. And then he sacrificed himself on the cross. You tell a lot about a person what they do their last 24 hours. What would happen if we sacrificed for our community? There, there, there's gonna be times where we're gonna be inconvenienced. There's gonna be times where God's gonna ask you to give a little bit more than he's ever asked you before, whether it's your time or your money or whatever it is. There's gonna be times where you're asked to, hey, we need, we need people to, right now, in our, in our church. We need, we, there's so many areas of need. Children's ministry, what a great opportunity we have in children's ministry. Those kids up there, man, they get to hear the dangerous message of Jesus. Denise and her team and Megan, they could do amazing. Student ministry, we need male leaders right now. We need lots of male leaders, like so, some of you guys that are big and studly and like to beat up kids, we'd love for you to, yeah? So you're gonna be asked to sacrifice at some point. I don't know if y'all watched this week. We talked a little bit about it. We talked about it last week. But one of the things that we're realizing is we can demonstrate to this world how much we love them, not necessarily by beating them over the head but with the Bible, but 
being with them, being endearing to our community. And over the summer, we did kind of a, an alpha, beta, whatever, a beta test, I guess is what it would be called. And we went to all or most of the area schools and to the teachers gave out coffee. And the teachers loved it. My phone blew up. I mean, who doesn't love coffee? So the teachers were going, yeah, thanks. And then somehow or another, somebody said, well, Journey did that. And I was like, well, we were trying to keep that down you know, on the down low. Cause we'd, but yeah, in the summer, we took, we took a truck. We rented an ice cream truck and we took it to uh, the area pools and we just sat it there. And we let kids, um, we let kids come and just have free ice cream, you know, and just, it was just telling them about Jesus. And so we thought about like, what would happen if we, we did that more often, not just the summer. What if we did it, we took hot chocolate or we took, you know, the area schools, we took whatever. And like, what would we need? And we, we said, you know, we need like a, we don't even know what to call it. Like a trailer food truck, the Jesus wagon. I don't know. Like love unlimited, and that sounds weird. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> but when we were sharing this idea, we were just going, we could do it in our whole community. We could take it over to Columbia County and just give. Guys, he changed the neighborhood with a Coke. Could you imagine how much more powerful a popsicle is? So what, what we're going to do today is we're going to start a series of two weeks on Sundays and November 28th, we'll shut this off. It's called Giving Tuesdays on November 28th. And we're going to open up a special offering. This is above and beyond tithes and offerings. There's already a couple people that have already said, listen, just whatever you need, just tell me I can pay for the whole thing. But that wouldn't be the way Journey does things. It's like, when it's a sacrifice, it, it changes everything. And so there's giving boxes all throughout the building. You can also go to a QR code. The QR code, I think, is going to be up on the screen right there. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, it's not there. I'll look one more time. QR code. There it is. Um, you can scan the QR code. And we're just asking people, there, there again, for the next two Sundays and next, uh, the Giving Tuesday, November 28th, to give to this. Um, we really feel like it's going to change what we do and how we do it in our community and uh, endearing the community and people loving Jesus because of, it, because of it. And so also we still have some angel trees, angels left. I don't know how many we have. This is the second round of them. We gave out the first 250. So this is the next. I think this means every kid gets two presents or something like that. So I'm excited about that. And then also there's another way we can sacrifice is we have the shepherd blood mobile out there. And there's lots of people in the world we live in, a uh, shortage of blood in our community that you can be a part of that. So can we pray together real quick before we close? Heavenly Father, thank you so much. We want to love our neighborhoods well. And we want to understand what love really is. And we want to look at it through the lenses of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did for us. He died on the cross so we could live forever with him. He loves us so much that he sent his perfect son to die on the cross for us. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Most and First and foremost, thank you for doing all of that, God. I pray that in our communities that they would know that this church is for them, that we love them and we endear them. And we want to tell them about the dangerous message of how Jesus changed our lives and how he can change their lives. And so let us take this seriously. God, I pray that you would be back here with us next week. Let's have a great Thanksgiving this week, God, as we're thankful for what you've done most of all. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.